Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back into the Nick Bot Podcast. And boy, do we got a good pod on tap for you today. It is part one. We got a little two-part wine pod with yours truly and Bo Rude. This is part one. One, and I got to warn you, we really got it going on this one. We actually drank an entire bottle of wine before we even turned on the mic. So needless to say, we are a little tipsy and a little saucy throughout this whole uh, this whole pod, uh, which makes it fun. Uh, so not only are we a little tipsy, we got some some fun topics to dive into on this. Uh, on part one, we dive into uh, Dylan Riola committing to Ohio State. We get into Vegas's projections of Nebraska next year. We also dive into the topic of what is maybe that win total needed for Frost next season to to cool that that hot seat and and stick around for for years to come with his kind of revamped staff. We also discuss O'Shawn Mathis. We talk about JoJo Doman and him getting undrafted. Bo's got some good insight on that. We also tackle Scott Frost and Fred Hoiberg's and their offensive styles in the Big Ten. We get into a bunch of stuff, man. This was a lot of fun. So let's get to it. Here we go. Part one, Wine Pod. Me, Bo Rude. Enjoy. All right, we are here, and we have violated said rules of Wine Pod. Bo Rude is here. We are that. Oh, my God, it's empty. We've, we are one. I wish people could. People, again, I always wonder if people think we're full of it, but we need to fire up the videos again so we people have video evidence. But I, we have already had a bottle I, of wine, I which mean, is a little scary, especially because do you want to tell we already we have another bottle of wine open. Are we serious right now? We might this might be a two bottle, two well, wine we bottle wine like to, pod. You know, it's like you, you, you stretch a little bit before you run. We That's thought right. we need to stretch a little bit, and we talked we got two, off, hours. two hours of talking about non- Sports, sports things, things. Yeah, just, just talking about life and we looked up and now it's nine o'clock at night and we're one bottle deep starting the Sheesh. Second so it is friday may 13th and i'm a little nervous right now because we are already one bottle deep so this could get this and i've written i've wrote down like 15 different topics to you that we're going to talk about. I don't know. Just by topic 15, we might be like, and then the thing about Corey slashes. I hate him. I hate his guts. I can't understand why there's not anybody like him anymore, but okay. So we need to get right to it because we'll derail things eventually here. All right. Topic number one, this is going to be a lot of Husker football, but it's going to be some other things as well. Uh, I just wrote down a bunch of things for you. Dylan Riola, Number one quarterback recruit in the class of 2024, son of Dominic Raiola. Dominic De- Do- Dylan, <laughs> nephew of Dylan. Right? No, uh, Dominic. Do- Dominic's son, Donovan's nephew. Yeah, How about Donovan that for Dominic Dylan. Dominic Dylan, Donovan <laughs> Dilly, Tommy, come to eat dinner. But all so D- Dylan Raiola has committed to Ohio State. And I think when he became the first, the number one recruit recruit in the country, that was our 
death wish or death so kiss. So I guess because, okay, I have a couple of things. But one of the first things I wrote down was, did Nebraska fans really expect to get him? I didn't. I did until he became the number one recruit. Like, like to me, like, then you go, oh, yeah, you're right. right. Like, I didn't realize he was, like, the number one recruit. Yes. Like, that is, that becomes Alabama, Clemson, Ohio, Ohio State. State become, like, really hard to beat. And it's understandable. It's like those kids see, like, here's how you go to the NFL. The best receivers are all going to these places. Like, that is what you're competing with. They just had Ohio State just had, if I'm not mistaken, three first round draft picks at wide receiver. That and that's the game. And, and Alabama's had a first rounder almost every year for the last couple of years. That is who you're throwing the ball to. So that, that makes a difference. And, th- and then not only that, you have from Dwayne Haskins to Justin Fields to C.J. Stroud had a had a great year. Like it's. So I guess that's the thing. It just was interesting to watch the reaction to it. You know when, uh, God, what's who's old boy? Uh, Cluster Johnson's son, Keegan Johnson, goes to Iowa. People are like, ah, man, come on, like Iowa, Nebraska, like that. That you can like argue a little bit more. Like when you're the number one quarterback recruit, you're a five star, and you're you can go to Ohio State. Like I don't even know what you're. That doesn't sting as much as. Cluster Johnson's kid Keegan going, going to, to Iowa. Iowa because right. to me, like if you grew up in Nebraska, Iowa was never considered on our level for many, many years until the last Recently. couple years. Yeah, um, and so that it stings. That stings yes. more than to me. So I mean, I get it. We don't have to elaborate much. I just feel like it, I mean, because Ohio State, we talked about better tracker with quarterbacks, elite wide receivers. They win Nebraska. Obviously, they're. I mean. Above all, like the, the you know they haven't been winning. Like, look at their their quarterback situation. Chuba Purdy has four years of eligibility left. Yeah. Uh, they have a, the twenty twenty two quarterback Richard Torres. They already have Mark Whipple got a guy that he likes, a guy named William Watson, a twenty twenty three quarterback. So like, and then you have Harbor, who's a hands up my heinies, a, a redshirt freshman. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know. I I think like that news hit and it stung a little, but I think people kind of go. You got slapped in the face, and you're like, I understand why I got slapped in the face a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just different to me. Like, he's actually not from Nebraska. That's the other thing. And so I think it's it's a little bit out of sight, out of mind for me. We're like, you know, it'd been nice. I know we'd been he'd been in the papers a lot and all that, but like, it, it wasn't like he was like, yeah, I'm coming here for sure or anything. You know? Do you think though? Because there's been some people, and I'm just throwing this out. I'm going to play Twitter Twitter Nick. A hu- was a huge part of the reason why Twitter Nick is here, everybody. Hey, Nick Twitter Nick. Hey, this ought to be really lame. Was a huge reason why you you went and got... Now I'm all messed up. Donovan... Donovan Dominic Donovan, Dillon. Do- Donovan Dominic Dillon. Was a big reason you got Donovan Riola was because it gave you the best chance to get Dylan Riola. <sighs> you know, I have a hard time believing you hire a position coach to be... I mean, like, uh, you hire a position coach to get the recruit. I think that's like, that seems like a really, like, if that's not a guarantee with the job, like, I just don't think that's, I don't think people do that. I know, like, in the past, like, people have, like, we'll hire your dad to be our athletic assistant. Right, Danny Manning's dad, Mario Chalmers' dad. Like, you've seen that. Kate Cunningham's brother at Oklahoma State. Like You know, I just think it's, like, to be a position coach. Well, 
that's a big, especially O-line, that's a big spot. To take it a step further, O-line, arguably one of the most, when you're, when you're like, in the Big Ten, you better be good in the O-line and the D-line, or you're in trouble. So it's one of the most important position coaches you can have. Yeah. It just seems kind of like, would Scott Frost really hire somebody as an offensive line coach for a for a recruit that isn't coming for two years when you're already on the hot seat. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't see I don't see that as I mean it doesn't hurt, but it I can't imagine it's the reason. I right? think it was one of those things like it was an in addition to it's like okay I like I maybe maybe Donovan Raiola was tre- checking a lot of the boxes and it was like oh and by the way. There is this Dylan Raiola cat coming down the pike. And the reality is there's a long ways that we see crazy stuff happen all the time where just because you commit as uh, I think he's what he's he's 2024 guy. So he's still got a long ways to go till sure he's actually playing in college. But nevertheless, he was he visited on the spring game. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that were, were tracking his his moves at this point. Yeah, I think, but yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard for him at this point now to, I think. Leave I get Ohio it. State. I mean, Ohio State. It's one of those things you're like, I get it. It's Ohio State. Okay, it's kind of like I've always said. Like this always, I feel like I'll puts people bad. Like my wife goes to Miami for the weekend. She runs into Justin Timberlake. She calls me the next day and goes, <laughs> Nick, Justin Timberlake made out with me last night. I'm sorry. I mean, it's like, what am I gonna say to that? Say, all right, babe. Or even she called me, she was like, Nick, Justin Timberlake is here. He wants to kiss me. What do I do? I'd be like, well, I mean, we got to. You're going to have to go with your heart in that one. <laughs> <laughs> what would 14-year-old Kim say? You know, like, I guess I just, there are certain things where it's like, what are you going to do? You know? I, I, State wants you? I understand it more than I understand other other right. situations with our recruiting. Like, there that, we go. I can understand. Okay. Second topic I wrote down for you. So. Las Vegas has started to come out in some of these, whether sports books and in different publications coming out with some odds and different things for Nebraska heading into next year. And it always is interesting to see the reaction from fans. So Nebraska has the fifth best odds to win the Big Ten next season, which is, you know, on the surface you do, there's a part of you that hears that and go, wow, okay, because right, Ohio State, it goes Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, and then Nebraska. Then FanDuel also set Nebraska's win total over under at seven and a half wins. Seven and a half. But see, where do they? Wh- I guess like if you're a crazily optimistic Nebraska fan, you might get to seven and a half, maybe eight. If you're the crazy optimistic, where do these outsiders get off putting us <laughs> over six wins? <laughs> I mean that. Where, what are they? What are they looking at? The, well, okay. the crazy Nebraska go. fans go. won't go past eight. Twitter Nick has left, and <laughs> and Vegas get it and don't get it. Nick has now walked in. Uh, okay, where do they get off? Yeah, I will say where they get off is even the advanced analytics where they run these numbers on yeah. Nebraska shows that like last season. You simulated a million times, like three and nine is like the outlier outcome. So I guess where do they get off? I guess I, I'll just ask you simply: Does it does it not seem like every single week you and I sit in this very room and record a recap pod where we are going, how did Nebraska lose that game? So I think yeah. there's probably a part. There's probably some Vegas whether it's and that's not just 
two Nebraska fans talking about it. There are numbers that back that up where it's just like, how on earth do you lose at Michigan State when what they had where they have like 10 yards of total offense in the second half. You're like, yeah. you, I mean, but that's like kind of par for the course for Nebraska. So that would be the, where do they get off? I would say that where it's like, I think they're probably going, Nebraska has been a statistic anomaly, both by the numbers and by just watching every year to arrive at their final record. That Then yeah. the, the, so that would be the get it side of it. The don't get it is what you're saying. I mean, you have four straight losing seasons. You just came off a three and nine season, and you and you lost you lost some talent too, right? And you lost like new quarterback, new coordinators, uh, you know. And O line, D line is right now. We're like, we're not real sure there. Like that is that to me is like there's a lot of question marks there, but like I just think. Common sense says six wins is like. So you would set the over under at six on the nose, five and a half. Would you go six and a half? Would, I would you go-, go six on the nose? So would I. And, and I just, I think if you're pushing to seven, it's like, I, I don't know. It's like, look at the last four years. And I mean, the schedule's easier, but we aren't probably as talented as we were last year. Well, so that's, that's the other thing I wrote down, because you must be right on my wavelength of like, I don't even know how you even project this roster. Like Casey Thompson, two weeks of practice, plus new coordinator Mark Whipple, plus plus a potentially a new leading rusher, a new leading receiver. Yeah. Like, I don't even so so the the get it part of it is what I just said about being, you know, like how the hell did Nebraska lose this game every single week for the past four years? But then the don't get it is like I don't even understand. I would love to hear Vegas's justification. Because it's hard, it's hard to project, and they're projecting very optimistically. To me, like they are projecting more optimistically than I am, well, which is like, and I, I'm trying to be realistic and maybe a touch conservative, but I say six wins. Yes, they're saying seven and a half. There's a bit like you bet the over. You're saying they're going to go. They're winning eight games. It's like, oh man, that's. I mean, a- the schedule's easier than last year, but it's not a cakewalk. You got cool. Northwestern in Ireland and Oklahoma in your first four games. Right. Like, those two go wrong, and you're already in a big hole that's hard to climb out of. Well, what's amazing to me, too, where all of Vegas is obviously on Nebraska in a positive way, Nebraska right now is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over Northwestern in that first game of the year. That feels like a, a too big of a number. I, I don't I mean, you know, Pat Fitzgerald's a really good coach. They're they're always smart, well coached kids. Uh, we worked them last year. At home. Them last we year. worked, but there it was a game for a quarter and a half, and then we remember we, remember a JoJo had a strip at the goal line where the, everything flipped. There, the game changed there, but they score there. I mean, it's a different game potentially, and they usually play us tougher and better. So uh, I, that's our trip. I mean, two years in a row, we've got it's the the season rides on the first game. Two years in a I row, I hate doing that, but it's it's true. It it's that's because we are in a fragile state. Like to me, like if you're in a healthy place, like you know, we came in with this Frost first year. They're in a healthy place. Frost was riding high, coming off of UCF. You can lose six straight, and it doesn't matter, right? When you are when your job is on the hot seat, that first game, 
oh man it matters when it's the first hard one out of the first three like if you can win it you're gonna have probably three wins under your belt to start the year it changes the whole season we changes your whole career and it puts pressure on that game it puts pressure well the thing and we've we've talked about these things a million times but it is it is pretty remarkable that that Nebraska and under Frost has not it seems like they have gotten off on the wrong foot to start every season you had the Akron game canceled lose to Colorado week one yeah year two you go to Colorado you're up 17 nothing at halftime you fall apart and lose in overtime and we played our first game we didn't play well the first game I yeah remember South right. Alabama kind yeah. of Adrian looked like he had been eating Twinkies and yeah chili all summer he's like am i watching chili but no it didn't play very good i have to run out or can i just how about i stand here and i just hand it oh god i gotta tell you guys (laughs) stomach's hurting again today we're not gonna oh i shouldn't have eaten all those ribs last night oh i went to did you go to rib fast aging like i did oh man big mistake right before the game oh horrible decision i made here but so then your three was it was the pandemic and ohio state ohio state and then even the the wisconsin game gets canceled and i'm telling you nebraska would have beat wisconsin that that year yeah third game of that year is at northwestern we give it away give it away and then year four, you have Illinois, Illinois, right out the gates. So oh. it's, it's like that's why that Northwestern game. Just for once, it'd just be interesting to see what would happen if they would kind of like out the gates, take care of business. You know what's funny is for years, for four years now, they've been asking to just get some momentum, get some yeah. com- Remember, like the big thing is first two years, like we gotta get some confidence. Like yeah, like we haven't heard as much about that of late but they've been asking for that they've been begging to have some things go their way and begging for some momentum and some confidence and man it just seems like we we just can't find it so like i think if we win northwestern and we can get things going there like i think you're gonna go three and oh into oklahoma and you're just in a it's such a different mindset for the team and I think the fans. Even even this fans. year, even this year though, what's crazy is even though they got off to the bad start against Illinois, I really feel like if the Oklahoma game that was hanging in the balance goes different, the season's different. If the Michigan State game that's hanging in the balance goes different, the season goes different. Yeah. It, any number or the Michigan game that you and I were at, if that the atmosphere game, was electric, unbelievable. We- I still don't. That that was. I had so much fun that game. God, it was good. But we deserved to win. So even I'm saying even that was the last of like, despite all of those times of of sideshow bobbing yourself right to the face with a rake, like you still had opportunities to maybe catch that wave of confidence and didn't get it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Interesting to stick along that note. I'll jump around here. The other thing I wrote down, I was listening to. One Stephen M. Sipple on Sharp and Benning in the Morning on 1620 The Zone. You ever and been to Applebee's? You ever, now, have you guys been to Perkins for breakfast? Now, if you want a good breakfast. <laughs> we <laughs> love Sip. Though. Oh, I love Sip. Sip's my favorite guy in the world. Uh, basically, they were asking Sip, what win total number should, does Frost and the staff need to get to to stave off 
the axe, yeah. basically the hot seat. Like they need to win. What what do they need to do to make it so they're not a one and done coaching staff here? And Sip said that if I were Frost, I'd be telling my guys, we better get to eight wins, boys. Whew. And that they even, I think it was Gary that asked him, said, if you could, if you get to six wins, how do he said, I think six wins, you're in trouble. I guess for me, this to circle back to our, at least being consistent with our Vegas over under that we're setting. Yeah. We set the over, I set the over under at six. To me, like if they get six or seven, the, I think they are coming back. Oh, I, I thought that for sure, like for sure it's six wins gets you back. Like if you don't like lose terribly and yeah, it's all look, high, the, the, yeah, and yeah. you look you look right and get six wins. I think you're back, and seven wins you are back. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by my good friends at Runza. You know, a few things make me more proud than the fact that Runza supports my podcast because as a Nebraskan. I've been a Runza fan my entire life. I lived down the street from a Runza growing up. was a blast to go there as a kid. Sometimes I'd even ride my bike there with my buddies. I vividly remember one of our very first elementary school field trips was to Runza. Everyone loved it. I remember going to Runza in high school for lunches with all my high school friends. And I've told you guys this, one of the happiest days at Kansas my freshman year was discovering a Runza in Lawrence, Kansas, it was like finding a little slice of home when I was away from home. And now as an adult, it's great to share runs with my kiddos who absolutely love the deliciousness of Runza. It's a little Runza story from yours truly. And you know what the menu is. Just outstanding, amazing Runza sandwiches. Oh my gosh, a piping hot cheese Runza. Mm, that sounds good right now. Incredible burgers. The best fries on the planet. The salads are great, especially the Southwest chicken salad, my personal favorite. It's just awesome food. So whether it's lunch, dinner, a little snack, doesn't matter. Runza is the spot. You need to go download the mobile app. It's in the app store. You can order ahead, skip the line, plus you can earn rewards as well. Runza Makes it all better. But I agree. The idea that they go seven and five and you fire Scott Frost, you go to a, you go seven and five, if even if that's with a bowl win, or you go to seven and five and you lose in the Frosted Flakes Bowl to South Carolina, you're telling me you're firing Mark Whipple, Mickey Joseph, Scott Frost? No, no way. way. No. Nope. Really say that out loud, people. No, I think I think the the if here here's where I'd maybe agree with Sip if they didn't make the coaching changes this year with Whipple, Mickey Joseph, uh Applewhite, like right. Donovan Dillon Dillon, Donovan, 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 Donovan. Donovan. Uh those guys I think people are already seeing like, okay, there's a change in attitude and there's a change in uh something about our recruiting yes that has happened immediately. Like you're seeing it results immediately and that I think gives people the the thought of like, well, maybe we need to give these guys more time, like not just Frost, but like Frost and those guys more time. So all they got to do is get six or seven because of those guys. Uh, first, first of all, totally, totally agree. But then the other thing is, I think basically Trev, Trev, and this decision and what he did with bring back Frost and how he even spoke about it, he told you like. Guys, I'm not going to fire Frost unless it is, like, painfully obvious. Where it's almost like, I don't even, I'm trying to think of a, 
some sort of couple in a movie or a TV show where it's like clear that one like somebody's terrible for the other person, but they keep holding on to him. Like yeah. where it is almost like it is clear like they were they were maybe gonna break up and then the guy or the girl said, Well, I'm gonna our anniversary is next month. I'm gonna give it to the anniversary and if they show me anything, and if that person just shows up with one rose, they are fine. Yeah. Like to me, I view Trev Albert's comments and then his decisions as all this this thing needs to show just some semblance of progress. And progress is six or seven wins to me. Yeah. And I think all these people are coming back. Yeah, and I, I mean, think about from Trev's point of view, though. So Trev is thinking, if Scott can't get it done here, coming off of 13-0 UCF, coach of the year. Um, native son, native former player. Son, yep. national champion. Um, who do you go get to replace him if he's at six wins? If he gets to six wins and, and you think that's not good enough, I, I mean, who are you getting? That's the thing. Is like, who who could you get to replace him? That's better. That you can rally your fans, rally around, around it. Like, yeah. You got to sell this program to the country, um, and I just think it's really that'd be a hard sell, harder than like Frost showing incremental improvement and you know getting more time. Is I think a better sell than just like scrapping it again and trying to find somebody like that. Rec- oh man, like so. Yeah, if you don't, if you win two games, that's like, what I was gonna say. Okay, let's that, flip. Let's, done. Let's done. flip it. They, is it? Is does five and what? What do you do with five and seven? Five and seven. It depends. Basically, on how it looks. you walk into Trev Albert's office and you you bring out like a giant coin. You're like. <laughs> Trev, you're going to have to flip this and you're going to have to make a decision which one is heads and which one is tails. And it's really it. So it's up to Trev at that point. I think it's a tough call. That's a tough call. Oh, my God. We're drunk. We're so drunk. (laughs) I'm not sure what that analogy was, but... There's a giant coin that he has to flip. <laughs> okay. But basically, it's on Trev. I think it's a 50-50 call for Trev. Yeah. I I, I feel like it needs to be painful. Like, like he's got to, like, walk in sideways holding this giant coin. But flip the coin. I, I, it's got to be painfully obvious to fire this dude. So I think it has to be, like... Yeah. Again, the, the great the great variable is what it looks like. But I'm not I can't sit here and look you in the eye and tell you for sure they go five and seven. He is one thousand percent fired. I don't and I'm I not saying know. that as as like wishful thinking, like, oh Boz just loves Frost and what no, no, I don't know. I'm just saying like I don't I'm not sure if you if you're not gonna fire this guy after four straight losing seasons and going three and nine, I'm not willing to to sit here and tell you that Five and seven for sure. He's gone. You know what I'm well, saying? Like I, 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 I keep coming back. To this I think the kicker is like if you see something in Whipple and Mickey Joseph yes. that is special as a part of the staff, 
that might be Frost's like biggest crutch he can lean on right. for another so, hey, year. We got you see. I mean, you could. You there's see a the way recruiting. to sell it. You, there's a way to sell it to the fans. Like, listen, this was Mickey Mickey Joseph's first year. You see the the improvements he made in X Y Z recruiting Whipple. You allow him to have another year with with installing his offense and his way He's of doing things. Like, Nick, I mean, like we get a guy that's actually getting quarterbacks. We right. get. Joseph, who's getting receivers and just like dudes from from down south that can fucking ball. Yes, like, and they're playing. They've done good in the transfer portal. Yeah, and then we've done like, and so this is yeah. We can get to that. That's what I'm saying. Bit. You got Mathis. You got Devin Drew. You got Casey Thompson, Chuba Purdy, Trey Palmer, like Tommy Hill. Like you got on the transfer portal. I'm hard pressed to like. I don't. I'm not like immersed in like. Give me. NC State's transfer portal pickups. Like, I don't, I, I have no idea. Like, but I, I'm hard pressed to think you, you write down Nebraska's top six transfer portal guys. They're as good, they, to me, they're probably as good of a transfer portal pickups as anybody. They are top to bottom. When you enter the portal, though, is there like a, a room where there's like you hit a button, it's like the wall turns into like and you like go into this portal? I don't, I don't and know it sucks how sucks you love, in the tube. I'd love to know what that, yeah, like you're, you're getting. It's like when Austin Powers went back yeah, to like, like 1969. <laughs> like, I bid you adieu. <laughs> is it that? I don't know what it is. We turn I, this thing off. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but I'm just saying like now Caleb Williams, old boy from Oklahoma that goes to USC. Like, yeah, he's probably the number one dude. Jordan Addison, yeah. the pit wide receiver, the one that Belichnikov that's, I think he's going to Texas. But like, I mean, O'Shawn Mathis, everybody wanted O'Shawn Mathis. Every one of them. Yeah. And Nebraska got him. Yep. So let's talk about him. That's the next guy that's on the list here that for us to talk about. O'Shawn Mathis. So I wrote this down. I threw this at Dirk, and he was vibing with me. There, you know, 25, 30 years ago, even further back than that, in like the sport of basketball, for to be to be successful, like you had to have a center. Yeah. You had to have a five. You had to have a pure. Big man with size, you could throw the ball into the in into the post with. Even 25, 30 years ago in football, you kind of had to have a superstar running back. Yeah. Yeah. Like sure. it was kind of non-negotiable if like you want to win a, a Super Bowl, a national championship, a bowl game of substance, you better have a stud running back. Nowadays in football, it feels like you have to have a pass rusher. Like you just have to have a guy. And Nebraska hasn't had that since Randy Gregory. And if we're focusing on the Frost era, certainly for the four years that Scott Frost has been here, and you can feel that in games. Like, you can feel that void. And O'Shawn Mathis, at least on paper, could fill it. So I think it's nice that, like, we, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. It feels like, on paper, check that box. Are you ready to chug the sack Kool-Aid? So... You know, I mean, I don't think he's, you know, he's not Chase Young. He's not Aiden Hutchinson. Right? He's not that kind of guy. No. But I would say just from, like, if you look at him, we don't have a guy like him on our roster that is 6'5 and all of 6'5, 260 and all of 260, that can kind of move, can kind of bend, and can bring a little bit of heat. Now, I don't necessarily know if he's, like, uh, you know, they're they're talking about this guy like gonna go pro after one year. Like, I I didn't know he's that good, but if he's a top hundred guy, 
That's what I don't know. If he's a top 100 guy, Nick, he changes our defense. The, the, let me just interject. I thought I heard that he had had received a fourth or fifth round grade okay. on from like the NFL draft. So he's a he's a probably a, he's, he's a hundred to hundred and fifty hundred yeah. to two hundred, right? Yep. Call it. Yes. And that's not bad. That means you're you're a guy that can help us a lot. Now, if you're under that top hundred, usually like a you're you change our defense, right? So um, that's a great sign that he's even like a draftable guy. And that also then moves to like the Nelson's the secondary guy, which makes him better as the secondary guy versus the primary rusher. Um, I mean, Nick, there's nothing about that is not a absolute win and a half for us. Right. That is a huge deal for our defense. We haven't had it. We finally got a guy that is like might be a legit pass rusher. He's he's an every down guy, right? Oh, yeah. And, okay, kind of expand on – I mean, there's going to be – on third downs, can you throw Nelson, Tanner, and Mathis out there and – No, you probably don't want all three of them because one of them has to go over the tackle then, right? Okay. So, I mean, M- M- Mathis could go over the tackle. But maybe you, that's taken away from what he does. Yeah, best. I mean, he's not necessarily like an interior pass rusher. So, I think you – like the, the other guy from Texas Tech. Yeah, Devin came, Drew. Devin Drew is – his build's more like a three technique. So he's like, you know, 6'2", 275, 280. Uh, he's actually probably built to pass rush more. And I heard that, like, one of the reasons that he liked us is we're going to move more from the true 3-4 to more of like a 4-3 hybrid. Right. So, like, more of a four down, right? So we probably need to in the fact that, you know, our we're just l- limited on interior linemen. Right. So we just got a commitment from a JUCO interior lineman this week. But, like, we're still trying to recruit yes. interior the two tackles. We got Ty Robinson and, you know, Casey Rogers left us. Right. And he was going to be a starting, you know, interior guy. But, like, he was more of a true, I think, like, 3-4 three, three, end. And maybe that's why he left, too. I, I don't know. But, um I think we kind of have to go to the four three just because we have now three defensive ends, you know, and our and our backups like Gunnarsson and Jamari Butler, they're pretty good players. Maybe not quite ready to, for the big show, but right. they'll at least have depth. We don't have depth on the interior, right? The two guys that the the snack spot, snacks leaving was a big deal. I mean, snacks and our boy Ben Stilly, yeah. Um, Stilly, Stilly, Stilly was Stilly. Eat, those dudes were eating up blocks. Yeah, I mean, and those guys were you know they they we had three dudes, no four dudes with Rogers last year that were like truce almost starters, and then Riley left of course. So we're just thin there, and so like we need to bring somebody in that can help besides you know Drew on the interior. But yeah, I mean I, that's where I Mathis just, is. I mean, Nick, I just think Mathis it's huge Nick, too. It's it's enormous. Huge. It's enormous. I mean, and I think. We're talking about transfer portal. We're talking about NIL a little bit. Like, I, I don't know what he got to come here, but I, I have a some, feeling. Some I have a feeling money. that there was <laughs> that, yes that he had incentive. Like, I think there were some some stories and articles from O'Shawn Mathis and his mom and different stuff about how like it wasn't just about the NIL, but like, listen, that also doesn't mean that he wasn't getting nothing to come here. He's getting something to go anywhere. So, yes. but. But I will say this. 
I do think we absolutely went after him like probably nobody. And, and, and how many teams are of Nebraska's history that have a spot basically like like you are you want it it's yours you here. are going to line up and rush the quarterback in the Big Ten the yeah. entire game from game one so it's 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 like Big Ten and SEC are probably the two best conferences can you go to any SEC school and be like there's not another pass rusher that's to your caliber or maybe better most of those teams in the SEC Nick probably have one guy or two that are like kind of in their own rights you know, well, think about think about he he was at TCU. His coach was Gary Patterson. Gary Patterson gets let go. Gary Patterson joins the Texas staff, and he still so his coach yeah. was at Texas. But Texas also might have like guys that he'd have to actually. That's what I'm saying. I'm just, I know, right? No I mean, doubt. basically, it's like it's him and Nelson if he comes here, right? And Tanner probably backs up, and. You know, he's in a good spot. Like, Nebraska's fan base is going to love this guy. I just feel like with uh, – you just could – you could feel it on every big third down over the course of the last four years where it just felt like Nebraska the, – the opposing team's quarterback had all day to throw. Nobody could win. That's like, the thing. It, is you got to win. Like, and we know the feeling on the opposite side. Yes. Every big third down – we could feel our guys getting beat. Yes. And that's a, such a different well, thing. I remember we talked about that Michigan game. I, the thing that was interesting about that Michigan game was, I think you and I at halftime when Nebraska was was shut out in the first half, I think you and I were talking about how the hell is Nebraska going to score? And a huge part of our our, our conversation around Nebraska going to score is like, well, the reality is Aiden Hutchinson is on Adrian Martinez in a second on every play. So how are you going to move the ball? And then it got it was the same thing with uh, Korloftis. Is that yeah. in it from Purdue? It was, it, yeah. it was the same thing with him. Like every third, every long, third down, it was, like, it was just like these dudes one, are one thousand, two one thousand. Sack there. is coming and yeah. it changes. <laughs> it changes the game. Changes the game. So huge for uh, for Nebraska. We bring up snacks. Real quick, Austin Allen, JoJo Doman, snacks, all didn't get drafted. Surprised? Uh, or not, not surprised? So, so not for snacks. Um, Austin Allen, I thought, was going to be a late-round guy. The funny thing about JoJo... What is it about JoJo that they didn't like? JoJo's a tweener. So JoJo didn't play linebacker. He played nickel. And he's a 230-pound nickel. Right. Can't play nickel in the pro. So he has no film, in the, and I don't know that he's necessarily a good linebacker. And linebacker is, I'm stacked, I'm reading gaps, I'm doing all the linebacker things. So he has no film. That's not his position, Nick. Okay. He's good. I'm learning things. JoJo was good at that nickel spot where he guarded the, he guarded the slot, had certain kinds of drops, blitzed well, had these really good timing blitz. That was right. what he was good at. He found the ball well, made splash plays. But JoJo is a tweener. He's 25 years old. That didn't help him. He's 25. He's a tweener. And he doesn't. He's going to have to try to play linebacker in the NFL. And he's never played linebacker. Interesting. So, like, yeah. like was is his position... Does his position not... I mean, his position obviously exists in the NFL. That role exists in the NFL. They just don't look like the JoJo. Back, the backup corner... Like oh, they, Rondé yeah. Barber plays that position in the NFL. And Rondé Barber's better at that than JoJo Dominus. He's 
six foot tall, two hundred pounds, and can run, runs four yeah. four, and is can you know do all that? Because you jo- got to guard Tyreek Hill in there. Right. JoJo's not guarding Tyreek Hill. Right. Like JoJo, like got away with being just fast enough to hang in there, but in the NFL, Tyreek Hill torches you. Interesting. It's just you know it's like a. Uh, Drew Timmy for Gonzaga, like really good player. I mean, arguably the. I mean, he was. I think I've. I have a player of the year vote. I voted him third in my player of the year ballot. Yeah, but so bottom. I mean, he's one of the five best players in college basketball. But if is there a place for him in the NBA? Like there just isn't. And I know that's not it's, at total apples to apples. It is but, though. It's the it's same like, thing. It's, it's like weird how you can be good. But he Timmy's older and he doesn't have a real like what's his role in the NBA? Maybe he'll find it, but like it's not obvious. No. And if it's not obvious, man, it's like Okay, now that's interesting because I was like, I'm not so sure I wasn't most surprised that JoJo didn't get picked, but this is what like I you... think the only reason I was surprised is I kind of bought into I wouldn't have thought him as a guy that was like for sure gonna get drafted. But then everybody was like, Oh, JoJo's all American. He got voted like all second team All American, right. and then like got really high mock draft stuff, which you know you buy into that, yeah, that stuff, stuff. Whatever that it, is. it influences you, but like in the reality is like if you would have told me halfway through the year like is JoJo getting drafted, I'd been like, well, I don't know, maybe maybe really late or not. Interesting. But like at some point, people were like, oh, JoJo might be a second, third, or fourth. Like no, it was never the case. That was more like. Hype problem. And JoJo, JoJo didn't. JoJo had exhausted all his eligibility, right? Yeah. Did Austin Allen and Snacks make a mistake? That's, I guess, like when you're uh, leaving, and you got one more year. That's a hard. Now one. I get it. That's I a hard know. one. I'll tell you what, though, if you don't get drafted and you can get into the top four rounds, now could Snacks ever get in the top four rounds? I don't know. Austin Allen with another year, I think would maybe have an opportunity. I think Austin Allen had a chance, but these guys, I mean, maybe they'll make a team. I just think yeah, it's, I don't it's, know. it's I harder. Mean, yeah, like, it's harder if you don't get drafted. I just wanted to pick your brain on that. I know we were with each other on draft weekend a little bit. And we got to talk about it a little bit, but not like in depth. I I don't know that we talked to the I mean cam went high. Cam went high. Cam and cam went high. Cam and cam went high. Went Second really round. high. Second round. I mean, I don't know that anybody, even at the end of the year, view said is Cam, is Cam Jurgens going second round? I don't know if anybody in Nebraska would have said, oh, for sure. Cam Taylor Britt star of the year. I would have said maybe, maybe after a season. I was like, Woof. after his combine, I went, oh yeah, he's gonna go right. But man, second round. I was a little surprised Woo. with Cam Taylor Britt. I'm less surprised. Like. I don't know. I mean, you're t- this is a guy that I vividly remember during the pandemic. I recorded. It was after the Iowa game, so on Black Friday when when O'Doyle was snapping it all over the place, and I told you that he needed to be benched and needed to be done. <laughs> I know. So it shows you what I know about anything. But, I was ready to bench a second round center, but, but he couldn't snap Nick, the ball. He couldn't he snap, snap the, the ball. ball. That's so. The funniest thing about us, our two best players in the last six years, the highest draft picks we've had in six, seven years, I don't know, since Randy Gregory probably. Really, Randy Gregory. Yeah. Um, One, the whole state basically was like, why don't we bench this guy because he can't snap. That was The whole state was saying that. 
Um, and Cam Taylor Britt, who before the season was like clearly our best player, really struggled the first half of the year. Like he had the fumbled thing and he just like he, he gave he, up big third downs a lot. He like really he, it took it took he him was about a six mental, games to get going. He was pressing he was pressing and pressing and pressing for half a season. So like it's really hard to be like Oh, it was clear he's the second round. That's it right. Wasn't. I, I mean, it was like he was a guy pressing for half the year. Honestly, you know what game? It was the Oklahoma game that flipped it for me with Jurgens. Even like honestly, oh, it was yeah. his penalty. It was his personal he foul. He ran pick. down the field. He ran like, down, I was like, it was oh, that guy's the real deal. Oh, I mean, it was such a I mean, he just is so physically impressive that like you just you realize that all you got to do is find a place to put that guy in the field. And it's just like, they're, they're, they don't make people like him. The Nick Bob podcast is brought to you by Pella windows and doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it. And how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella. Won the energy star 2020 most energy efficient award. That's big time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that bottom line energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable and Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency check them out online PellaOmaha.com that's PellaOmaha.com I just wasn't sure if like man if you have another year of eligibility now some people there is something to your stock is what it is and it can't get any higher than it is and you might as well just go there is a reality to that and for some of these guys if I'm not mistaken I bet I think Alan and snacks both had been at Nebraska for four years. Like you've been like, I don't know how you were like, if you could have, let's say you would have been able to come back for another year at Nebraska. So you were, a, you were, you were a late draft pick to the new England Patriots yeah. in the 2007 draft. If you could have come back, would you have come back? So that's an interesting question. Cause in my senior year, I got, I, 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 hyper extended my knee and I missed a handful of games and then I broke my hand for the last couple of games I played with but Bo Pelini was coming in I knew Bo Pelini I actually would have considered it hard right. if, if I, I don't think I would have came back if like it was the same situation right same coaching team. I would have probably been like you know what uh you put in your five yeah. year. You would, at that yeah. point it would have been five years. Yeah, and so I, I think though I I would absolutely have considered it hard if it was Pelini. I could have been one more year with Pelini. Uh, I could have because I, I would have had a chance to maybe raise my drop my because I know like like New England told me like we had you rated higher as a junior because I had you know I was all big you I was were all, all Big Twelve Big Twelve as a junior. Wow, I didn't. Senior, I, you never told me that they had you. You were you were higher on their higher on the board, and then we. Because we are, we should have won the Big Twelve yes. obviously junior year, and then senior year we lost Carriker and Jay Moore, uh, and we just like we you, just you played didn't play well that. as a team. Like and... I actually was a better player as a senior. I was a better individual. I was better, but our team was way worse, and I got hurt, and so just like 
we looked bad as a team, and that reflects bad on the player. Did you even consider leaving after a junior? Your junior? Not, year? No. no, I don't remember talking to you about that. If I, you even like, I did not consider it. Interesting, but that was the times. I mean, I mean, at the time, it was like, it's like I can go party at the rail, or I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> and you know, I don't know what. There was a part of me that was like, my brother did four years, right. and I just like, I never I think thought if you would have called me and said, "Hey, Nick, guess what." I'm entering the draft. I'd have been like, I mean, I'd have been pumped for you, but I'd be like, really? I also think like I, nobody, you know, like New England told me that. And I was like, well, nobody told me that. (laughs) I mean, mean, who tell, let me ask you something. Who tells these people? Right. Who's where I'm like, nobody told me anything. I feel like everything has changed so much. Like, I feel like nowadays there's more access to that kind of information now. Like, yeah. But yeah, that's that's nobody. T- I, I mean, I didn't even like. It was just like, well, obviously on senior year. All right, like, on to senior year, here we go. Now, if somebody would told me like, you know, you're a, you, we got you rated as a fourth round hey, grade, I, I might guess, be like, right, what? Imagine like, this going into so going into that year, if New England would have said, hey man, we have you as a fifth round, fourth or fifth round grade. If you're available in the fourth or fifth round, we are going to. Draft if they would have said third or fourth round to me, I think I would have been. That would have changed my mindset. I'd have been heartbroken, though. You know how heartbroken I, I would have been. Do, I know. Do you want to? Do you want your dreams to come true, or do you want to shatter my heart? That's I, what Nick, this would have. I would down. never have done that. I would have. We had a whole year, we had a whole summer. That was the you summer. That was the myoplex summer. And we had a great summer. Hundred, hundred every night. Every night. We had we a great were in time. great shape. Hundred push-ups, hundred sit-ups every night. God, we were having a, a great good. time. That would have. You would have gone off to Phoenix and done your training for the combine. I you wouldn't. and I would not have. Nick, I wouldn't have traded for the world because that was a fun year. I just want to make sure that was such a fun year. But I just was curious that, I mean, Austin Allen, JoJo, Damian Daniels all didn't get drafted. That's interesting to me. But you know what? You can't blame them. They they thought, you know, and they they have a chance right now. They they all have a chance to make it in the NFL. You know, every year you go, you can get hurt. I mean, there's all those things. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I get it. Like, I get, a part of me gets why they all left, but I also, yeah, it's easy to say after the fact where they didn't get drafted, you go, man, shouldn't have done it, but. I, I mean, there, there's two sides to it. There's get it while you can, and there's the Indomitian Sioux, which is like he was borderline late first, probably a second-round pick, and then he goes second overall and makes $60 bucks. That is the benefit of staying and raising your stock. And he became a legend. And He even, wasn't a legend until his senior year. That's it. Oh, even uh, for a basketball, Doug McDermott. Doug was heavily considering leaving after his junior year. Said, screw it. He becomes a top 15 pick. And he's a legend. And he's, he's, a, and he's a legend. Legend. He wasn't a legend after his junior year. He was right. a legend after his senior year. And it, well, after his senior year, he became a legend. In co- I mean, he's one of the, statistically, he's got one of the 10 to 15 best statistical careers of any college basketball player. I mean so, of the last because that was what year was that was that 20, 2013 2014 that of the last decade I mean he has top two or three of the last decade yeah just like that three-time all-american national player of the year 3,000 point score it's like it's insane I mean it's nuts uh okay my question to you real quick we went to Spain with the temper Tempranillo. We now have a Brunello, which is an Italian wine. Are we doing it? Just give me a give me a little. Oh God! I mean, we're already drunk. Are you as Are you drunk? Because I'm drunk. I feel perfect. I feel perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this dude said he feels perfect. Okay. 
we're actually we're moving pretty we're moving along pretty good here. This is good. All right. Next topic. Bringing in Fred Hoiberg a little bit here. How much when you think of the the parallels of Frost and Hoiberg are really 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 crazy to me. You have two hot shot coaches who are known for their offensive acumen, explosive offensive firepower. That's what their identity is as a coach. Frost comes from Oregon and Central Florida, just went 13-0, and like coach of the year. Hoiberg lit the world on fire, a couple of Sweet 16s at, Ohio- at Iowa State, goes to the Chicago Bulls. They were going to beat the Boston Celtics until Rondo got his elbow yeah. hurt. And like he was, I mean, he comes from the fucking Chicago Bulls to Nebraska. Like, and their offensive guys, and it both both have struggled. You've heard some people say, "Well, listen, I could have told you that their offenses don't work in the Big Ten. Frost, up tempo, spread it out, not a, you yeah. know, don't run it, pound the ball. Hoiberg, pace and space, jack and threes. That stuff doesn't work in the Big Ten, where it's a big man's league. All that stuff." My question to you is how much are their struggles, Frost and Hoiberg, attributed to their styles of play not fitting in the Big Ten, and how much is it something else? Um, I think... You want me to go first? You go I'm going to go to France real quick. Go to uh, France. I see London. Don't do, I don't see do France. that. Don't make me laugh. <laughs> don't make me laugh as I'm about to go to France. I see Hoiberg's underpants. <laughs> You want me to go to France go real to quick? Go to France real quick. Go to France real quick. <laughs> I think that's an Italian it's one. Italian. It's not Come on, Italian. Nick. Come on, Nick. <laughs> let, me, let me let me take it all back. This is an Italian wine, not a French wine. Go to that. Why did I think we were going to France real quick? Because you had a couple of these. That's why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You mean to go to France? Oh, that's yeah, good. Go I'm what? Oh, that is good, isn't it? Okay. Here's how to answer the question. I suppose on some level, there there is some of like, hey, their styles don't aren't ideal for the Big Ten. Yeah. On some level, that's kind of undeniable. I'm not gonna run from that. But I'm not ready to I'm not gonna sit here and say that like those styles don't work in the Big Ten and point blank period into discussion doesn't matter who it is like if Hoiberg had legitimate better three-point shooters and a legitimate point guard I think he wins games yeah if Scott Frost had legitimate wide receivers over the course of his first four years at Nebraska instead of only only having Stanley Morgan and that was basically it and has a, maybe a little bit more consistent, better quarterback play, and as a real game breaker at running back. Like, so I'm not, I don't know, I'm not necessarily totally, I'm not going to dismiss, no, I'm just kind of hedging it. I'm not going to dismiss the whole narrative of like the styles don't work in the Big Ten. Like, there's something to that. There's something to that, I suppose. But I don't, I don't watch Fred Hoiberg's style or Scott Frost's style and think, the style is flawed. It'll never work here. I see it more of a, as a you don't have the don't have good enough personnel in the right spots. And that that's where my head went first. Is like I just like if you got great players, it almost doesn't matter the system. I think when you don't, the system matters more. 
Yeah. Like, we're not matching up as well in the Big Ten and either football or basketball with our systems because our player, like, if you got worse players than you had at Oregon or at Chicago, right? Like, you you got to change your, you know, what you're doing to fit the guys you got right now. I think they're kind of like, well, here's the system. Anybody that goes in, it should be fine. I'm like, well, not necessarily. Good point. And so, like, I think, I think this is a situation where we've played, in the case of football, we've played a game of, like, sort of, like, not detailed, control the ball. foot. We, we did not play that when, like, we just didn't have that much better guys. And when the other teams do that, like, over the course of a game, like it just falls out of our favor more times than not. And that's not what you want. Right. Where at Oregon, he would just, in UCF, it was just like better players with that system out running and running and gunning. Like it right. was just it, completely, it, it was just different. And then same with Hoiberg, like if your guys can't shoot, like it doesn't even matter what system you run. Like, especially right. if your system's based on like, shooting a lot of threes and some guy being really good at getting to the hole and distributing. Like if you don't got the guys to do it, like that system doesn't, you need to go to a system that like plays towards like, you know, I don't want to say worse players, but like no, players that like legitimately, right, like, like you have to protect, it, you have to protect them from no question from that. Yes. I, I vividly remember. And I feel like, you know, a time, allows you to kind of say these things. And I think I've even said this before. I vividly remember I did Coach Hoiberg's, it was the last game of his first year. It was the it was Northwestern at home in like early March. Kugler yeah. and I were on the call on, I think it was on BTN. And I go to shoot around. Fred, you know, immediately comes over, sits down. We start talking. And he, he goes, Nick, he goes, analytically and statistically he goes we're getting the shots we want yeah he goes we're leading the team we're leading the big 10 in shots at the rim and threes like in terms of like attempts like yeah. that, which that's is, what like, you want that's, that's what, what he, he's like he goes nick we're getting the shots we want because we just can't make them and and, I, and he kind of gave me that look like and that's where like you like if you don't got <laughs> the guys that can make shots and you don't got guys that can finish and distribute like then you go okay. You got to go to the game of like, like, are we gonna tough? De- right, recruit guys that are tough on defense, are smart, like they're gonna control the ball. So it gets to be hard like, because that's not what he wants to do. But no. then to win games in the meantime, you got to kind of coach that way. So he's been caught in this. Like, what gives? This is always what's fascinating to me about when coaches take over uh, any job and they have like, where do you draw the line on instilling your style of play versus? Giving yourself the best chance to win right now with the guys you have, with the guys fitting you to the guys. Have. I'm and a believer. You got to fit to what you got. Right. Like, I think it was. I loved one thing Bill Belichick said once. Is he goes, I I never want to have you put you in a position to do something you can't do. Right. And that stood out to me. Like, okay, you put your players in positions. Like, if you're asking them to do things they're not physically or mentally capable of doing. That's on you as the coach. Right. So 
if your guys, and this is where it's hard because like because it's on recruiting, they can make shots in practice maybe, but like right. If you got if your guys now it's been three years for Hoiberg, they can't make shots. The guys that he has can never just make shots in games consistently. Like you got to be shooting what forty some percent from three to be a good three point shooter. Like nobody's doing that. No, and so like at some point that tells me like you're asking them to be three point shooters at a at a rate that they're not capable of. Exactly. And so then it's what gets hard. hard what gets hard is to not absolve Frost or Hoiberg of blame. It's like year one, you you know, like, okay, you maybe inherited some stuff or whatever, but like years and years into the road, like then it becomes like, well, it's your job to get guys here that can do those things, you know? Yeah, and hard. that's something that for sure Scott Frost and whether it was Ryan Held or whoever, they they have fallen short on getting the necessary weapons that it takes to do those kinds of things. I mean, I, I have zero interest in trying to go recruit now and in, in NCAA football, but like, man, it's a hard job, but like that is the job, right? You got to get the guy, you got to get players. So whether it's, you know, the effort to get the best players or your evaluation of like, I can find the guys that I can get that will fit what I need to be get done. Like right. that is the challenge. And it's it's a it's a art more than it's a science. Like I don't know how I haven't done it enough to say like, oh, that's how you do it. I don't know how you do it. But like somehow you gotta find out how to find right. the guys that you can get that will fit your system. I just I think you're to to wrap up this question, I think you're with me in that like I'm not ready to like go all the way in on like these styles don't work in the big 10. Like I'm not you got players. It. it doesn't matter. If you got Steph Curry, shoot as many threes as you want to. You're, you're telling, well, I mean, you're telling me you take some of Fred's Iowa state teams and put them in the big 10. They're not finishing in the top half of the big 10 and get into the NCAA tournament. They they're are. in the top two. They're in the it's top the same two of the style. League. Same guys in that same style. They're in the top they're two the of the t- league. It's just, those players in that system can do it. And even the same thing, I believe, with you're telling me if Frost has LaMichael James and some other, you know, like has some different, like they're going to bowl games. Yeah. They got pro, they got pros at every position on offense, right? Like, so, I mean, I think it's less about this, the, the X's and the O's and more about like the Jimmy's and the Joe's for, for that sort of a conversation. But I agree. But then, it, but then that's on the coaches. Right. To adjust so that's to also not absolving the coaches of, yeah. of culpability and all this thing either. But it's, yeah. it's, I don't know. Like, I'm not ready to say like these styles don't work. You got to scrap them. Like, yeah, I'm not ready to say that, but it's, you better get the right. If you're yeah. going to run said system. If Fred Hoiberg, if you you wanna you wanna play fast, shoot a bunch of threes, like you better get dudes that can sh- make threes. Yeah, if anything, they gotta be able to do that alone, right? right? You know, or and then with Frost, same thing. Like you you wanted, you better have a bunch of dudes that in space are taking the top off a of defense, can make a guy miss, home run hitter type guys. If you don't got that, then maybe you do need you need to huddle up. Yeah, I mean we're, we we had Cade Warner for three years, right? Like like that's not gonna work. That's, that's not work that's not explosive no that's complete opposite of of explosive okay moving on what is france italian i'd like to go to france right now i can't believe i said we had a we're going to france (laughs)
Oh, what a life we live. This is so stupid. This is a Huda Media Production.